it. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 133rd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 525th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 8th, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday morning when word broke that Anthony Leal will be announcing his college decision on Friday evening. Now, depending on when you listen to this episode, the decision may have already been announced. Hopefully, it's good news for the Hoosiers. And while it's self-evident why Anthony choosing Indiana would be worthy of a banner moment, I mean, can you ever have enough high-character wings with good size from your own backyard whose best skill is shooting the basketball? I'm picking it as this week's banner moment, regardless of whether he chooses Indiana or Stanford. Here's why. Because it will bring one of the trickiest recruitments of Archie Miller's short tenure to a close and will allow the coach and program to move forward in building the class of 2020. Why has it been tricky? Well, for all the reasons why any recruitment of a local kid whose family has deep ties to IU are tricky when the player isn't a 100% slam dunk offer right off the bat as a sophomore. And clearly that was the case here, at least from the only perspective that matters, which is the head coaches. Archie Miller wanted to take his time in assessing whether Anthony is the right fit for the program he's building, a level of patience and prudence that I endorse for the record. Ultimately, Archie decided yes and extended the offer, but some people, the Leal family included, I'm sure, were pining for the offer to come a little bit sooner. It was the most debated storyline of the 2020 recruiting class, and that discussion point will come to an end either way tomorrow night. More importantly, Archie will know what he's dealing with. Does he have a good catch-and-shoot wing and willing defender who projects as a four-year player in the fold? Or does he need to ramp up efforts to find that shooting and effort elsewhere? Archie knows better than you or I do that Indiana has to improve its shooting to start winning more games. Hopefully, an important step toward improving that shooting comes Friday night in the form of a commitment, which, for the record, as I said on Podcast on the Brink, I do think that it will. But if not, at least Archie and his staff will be able to respond accordingly. The point here is the longer Leal's recruitment dragged on, the more difficult it was going to be, it was going to make things for Archie and Indiana as they game plan how to prioritize the other open scholarship offers for 2020. More clarity will come either way Friday night, and that will be a positive development for the program. The best kind of clarity, of course, would be Anthony joining his good friend Trey Galloway in Bloomington. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Andy Bottoms is taking the week off due to family being in town. Enjoy it and live it up. Indeed, enjoy it, Andy. And that means that to my left, he's a veteran Indiana high school basketball coach and the only member of our hosting team to inspire his own theme song. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? I think I'm going to use that song as my walk-up song when I enter the classroom tomorrow. Uh, really should. In, in the second awesome. day. Just Waste announce, an opportunity if you don't, Coach. Exactly. Just play it every period, and that's the signal we're ready for business. Um, it, it's uh, interesting times. A lot of stuff that we're waiting for, announcements of scheduled coaches and, and, and Anthony Leo's decision. But uh, the thing that I thought about today was 
uh, Major League Baseball announced that they're going to play a game close to the Field of Dreams movie site. And I know this is a basketball show, but I played catch with my dad uh, before he passed away on that field. I played catch with, with my boys on that field. And sports bring that out, that father-son uh, opportunity. And my dad introduced me to Indiana basketball. And, and I remember taking him to, uh, to Assembly Hall for that first time. And these recruits are deciding with their families where they want to go and play. And, and they have the opportunity to play in some of the best uh, gymnasiums, best arenas around. It's, it's great decision time. And, and we as fans, we love our stadiums too. And it is just, um, yeah, you know, the, the baseball thing is going to be cool. But I just keep thinking about people walking in to a, a assembly hall for that very first time. And that's the only reason with Hoosier hysteria being announced uh, the date and time. That's good for so many fans who can't afford tickets to go in for that first time into what I believe is the best place in the world to watch college basketball. And so that's that's my uh, Tonsoni time, Mark. There's there's a lot of things to do with the ones you love, and sometimes it creates a, a lasting fandom. And, uh, Anthony, I, I hope uh, that uh, we hear good news. And to my right, he is a senior writer at The Big Lead, the president emeritus of the Will Sheehy Fan Club, and a man who is proud to own the highest co-host interruptions per episode average in podcasting history per data compiled independently by the Diane Phillips Association for Accountability in Podcasting. I'm the U.S. and the Olympics of interrupting. I'm sorry to jump in real quick. Let me just jump in real quick. Real quick, I just wanted to jump in and say that I'll be honest, I wasn't listening to what Jared was saying. <laughs> he is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU basketball? God, that was maybe the best thing that's ever been on this show. It was beautiful. Um, you know, I, I think that I agree with you on the Anthony Leal recruitment. I think the guy's got seven crystal balls on 24 seven. They all say Indiana. Uh, I think we were sort of talking before the show got going. It's really hard to turn down a Stanford degree as an athlete. Uh, I think it, on the West coast, when, when a lot of players get recruited by Stanford for be it for football or basketball or whatever, you automatically say, man, that's a tough pull because especially if you're not a guy who's going to be a professional athlete for a long, long period of time, it's really hard to turn down a degree from what is essentially an Ivy League school um, and be able to play you know, at a high level of, of your sport as well. Um, but I think that this is, this is a done deal for Indiana. I'd be shocked if it went the other way. Um, hopefully, Anthony makes what's the best decision for his family and, and for himself. Uh, and uh, hopefully, he's, he's joining Indiana. And I think you're right. I think it's a big deal for Indiana because this is a top 100 kid at a position of need, which is a wing and, and, and with a skill set that Indiana needs, and that's shooting. And, and I think that all the points you made about him being a, uh, you know, a four-year guy who's going to be there and develop. And, and also worth noting that if Indiana lands him, Indiana will have landed the top two players in the state for this next, se- for this next class. And, and that's a big deal. And, and it, I know... Depends on where you look, because Ivy and uh, Davis have actually jumped over Galloway in twenty four seven. Just for the record, well, they have because they're yeah. well. They just haven't updated their state rankings then, but still, they'll have the number one player at least. Um, yeah. So I think that uh, even with that, it, it, Archie Miller is clearly prioritizing recruiting the state. This was a weaker year in state in Indiana, so he's going to have to go outside the state to get other guys. But we also said when Galloway uh, committed that it was likely that more commitments would follow soon thereafter. And once you get that first domino to fall, they all start, you know, lining up and, and falling. And so I think that it's a great 
you know, thing for Indiana to have these guys start to commit, start that momentum going. And then, you know, maybe there's somebody you recruit that, that lasts into say April or, or like we've seen before. Um, but at least you have two guys at a position of need and you've got that wing position locked down guys who can do multiple things, guys who can shoot guys who can, uh, you know, with Trey Galloway, be a really good, well-rounded player, passer, all that stuff. And guys who can grow with the program who aren't just get, who are going to unpack their bags and they're going to be there for a long time representing the school. So I think, I think it'd be a big deal if you get that commitment. No, he's not a five-star. He's not a top 15 guy, but he's a guy you can be excited about uh, because of the long-term implications for he and, and Trey Galloway. Well said. All right, coming up this week, we're going to run through a few Hoosier headlines, and then we're just going to answer questions. You guys submitted so many good questions this week that we kind of scrapped what else we were going to talk about, and we're just going to devote it to all the questions that you guys asked. So it's a big mailbag extravaganza this week, uh, which we're really looking forward to. So it's going to be a potpourri of topics. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to that, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big, they feel like they can just get away with not caring about the customer experience, but not SeatGeek. SeatGeek cares desperately about the satisfaction of their customers, which is why a quick glance at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Why? Because SeatGeek delivers a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And the user interface communicates it all clearly by displaying tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are and by using a color-coded system for value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. Uh, my wife and I are thinking about going to a concert in October. Zach Brown Band is in Dallas. Actually thinking about taking our daughter. She's only three, but she really likes their songs. If anybody has experience taking a youngster <laughs> the age of three to a concert, good or bad, let me know. Because I feel like it might be a good idea. It might also be a terrible idea. So if Your you boss. have experience with this, let me know. Uh, and Can a brother get some coupons? Yes, you can. SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. Hey, worth noting, I looked it up while you were doing the ad, and on 24-7's rankings, Galloway is number two. On the composite, he's number five. Oh, it's the composite. Okay. If you just consider 24-7's rankings, he is number two. Okay, good. Very good. And we talked about that last week. I think that the composite is starting to be kind of worthless and 24 seven is really the group to trust. Yeah. Okay, good. Very good. Uh, so headlines, still no assistant coach. We wait for that. Anthony Leal announcing Friday. We talked about that. Uh, Christian Watford tweeted out that he wants to put together an IU alumni team for the basketball tournament. That's exciting news. I certainly hope that that happens. Uh, Indiana was ranked 12th nationally in attendance last year. Uh, this coming directly from inside the hall. The Hoosiers drew an average of 15,206 fans per game over 21 games at Simon Scott Assembly Hall for a total of 319,335. That number was third in the Big Ten behind Wisconsin and Nebraska. Hopefully with a few more wins coming up, we can uh, bump that back up where it needs to be. And then Hoosier Hysteria, as Coach alluded to earlier, uh, was set for Saturday, October 7th at 4 o'clock. Coach, I thought it was great that you preempted all the sound drops of you hating on Hoosier Hysteria with some positive comments about it, because we all remember your words about Hoosier Hysteria from last year. I don't like Hoosier Hysteria. It's tomfoolery. I hate it. 
we all we all remember so <laughs> excellent use of tom fuller in a sentence coach i appreciate really, it really is complete sentence it really is uh so coach what have, what about those uh headlines jumps out to you among the ones we haven't discussed yet yeah uh you know the the basketball tournament one will be fun to see but i i'm i just really uh am impressed by the 12th nationally in attendance and think that that has to play a role in recruiting and, and it doesn't mean that someone's going uh to choose Indiana, but you got a guy like uh, Matt Cross, who's, who's flying down to other places and, and has said that he wants to go to where basketball is taken serious and have uh, a great fan base. And th- that is, is who Indiana basketball is. So um, to, to see that our performance on the court has been up and down and more down lately that there are fans there. And I, I know that uh, in talking to some people, uh, with season ticket renewals and everything, there might be, uh, I think I had an opportunity to get some season tickets this year off the wait list. So there might be some people that are, you know, on, on the ledge a little bit, but we still pull in. And so that's the one that really um, grabbed uh, my attention. And again, for Hoosier hysteria, those fans that can't afford to go or can't make it, that's a great opportunity, uh, regardless of what this old man says. By the way, it's October 5th, not October 7th. I just had the numbers uh, wrong there. And if I, I believe there's no football game that weekend, right? It's an open weekend, so no, nothing else going on. I haven't I, seen I believe. I believe that's the case. We'll check that to make sure. Um, okay, so quick thoughts on Indiana putting together a team for the basketball tournament. Uh, Ryan, off the top of your head, who are the first guys that you would want on the starting lineup for that team? Obviously, it can't be guys who are playing in the NBA. Everybody so else any, is eligible. It could be anywhere but the NBA, right? Okay. I believe so. I would think Watford would be great. Jordan Hulls has had a lot of success in Europe. Yeah, uh, Hulls has to be your point guard. Yeah. Probably True. Blackman at the sh- at the shooting guard, right? Yeah, I guess because he's in the G League, but he's... Is he Blackman, still in- Blackman's over in Italy. Last he went I over saw. to Italy. I knew, I knew he had moved. I wasn't sure if he had moved overseas or if he was still on a different G League team. Um, Troy. Yeah, Blackman would work. Jeez, uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Troy. You said yeah, him, and Troy that's a definitely, good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of guys of, of like a big man. I can't How about really... Bielfeld? Bielfeld would be good. Um, the Keep him flexi- away from the Michigan team. You could start a podcast about it. be fantastic. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, Bielfeld would work. Um, I'm just trying to think of guys who are actively playing, but otherwise. But it's you know, really... Marco Killingsworth keeps himself in great shape. He, you might be able to run him out is there. Is he still playing? I, I don't know I, if he's still playing anywhere, but... Uh, he could come off the bench and you know throw down some dunks where he gets like three feet off the gr- where he gets like three inches off the ground. It'd be great. Yeah. Zizloff can come off and shoot. Some yeah. yeah, is he still playing? Zizloff, yeah, he's playing. Gosh, I, it's Sheehy, hard. Sheehy's playing with with holes, so you'd want to get we him. We should on have there. somebody do an article where they just update where everybody is uh, before the season starts. There's I, a great Twitter account, Pro Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Yeah, it's something. There's like a great Twitter account that does that. We should just do a, a you know an article, just quick bullet points where they are and and where they've been and all that stuff. Um, yeah, but but yeah, I think that that certainly there's there's plenty of guys to build on. I would I would tune in like the basketball tournament. I caught in you know bits and pieces. I would tune in if there was an IU team playing to watch them. So oh yeah, yeah. I, I think Watford's right. I mean no, but I, I would. And tune there in should in. be. It's a damn shame that there hasn't been one already. Yeah. I mean, come um, on. There's enough guys playing where you could. Freddie McSwain. Freddie McSwain. Freddie McSwain. <laughs> yeah. Way, way to go, Chad. That's a good one. You want some heart and hustle? There you go. Um, and then round it out with us. 
we'll we'll fill out the end of the we'll bench. Coach. We'll coach. Yeah, we got, we, got, we got the head coach right right next to me, and the assistants right here. Jared can hold a clipboard and wear a tie. <laughs> I'll do the coaches versus. I'll, camp, I'll, like I'll give Gatorade and then interview the guys after the game. There you go. We yeah, got it. I like it. We that would work. This. But no, that would be fun. Like I would watch. I would. I would tune in every time they played for that. It'd be great nostalgia trip. Didn't they have one a few years ago with Halls and Watford were playing on? The yeah, same that team uh, the it was ar- ar- the IU armored team. athlete team. Yeah, it was like a combined group. They had a yeah. few of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, another good one for Dale Jones. I would put him on there too. Is he still playing too, man? See, I like. I've lost. I don't track. know if he. I don't know if he's still playing. I, I can't remember. He, he was on Hoosier Hysterics. I know he was in the G League for a little while. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if he's. Still I remember playing. that. I know I he's doing he, some good work was, at, back at home, but I don't when know he was if he's back still in the D League, that was that was back when it was the D League too. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I I would absolutely one hundred percent love to watch uh, those guys all play. And together. we just named a whole bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe DJ White's still in shape. Get him out there. You know, what? maybe Christian just needs to be the captain, and take the initiative, and go do it, man. Yeah, do it, Christian. Do it. We'll, Since he's listening. Yeah, if we need to help Christian. sponsor or do something, we'll help. We'll, make, we'll help make this happen. Okay, uh, coming up on the assembly call, it is time to start answering your questions. We will start with a general question about Indiana's defense and then a question about the offense that contains an interesting sentiment you don't hear very often. Stick with us here on the assembly call. We're going to talk about it. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Verdell. Welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in the live chats that go on during our live broadcasts or watch the replays of our live broadcasts, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. You know, Ryan, every time I hear uh, those drops from Christian Watford and Verdell Jones, and they talk about celebrating it with friends afterwards, I'm always reminded of the fact that I celebrated that by myself on you the did. first game show. You absolutely did. <laughs> the, great, the, the biggest moment during the time we've had this show, and I was there by myself. <laughs> well, and one of the other big moments, you know, I know that it wasn't a great season. Everything. One of the biggest, one, what would have been one of the best shows to have would have been right after this year's Michigan State game because it was, you know, the young guys really stepped up and won the game and all that. And it was an overtime game against Michigan State, who was unbelievable this year. And we were at the game. <laughs> yeah, the I know. After. <laughs> I know. Uh, but Chad and Josh did a really good job with that. They so did. No, that's it. It's, just, it's to those guys. funny that somehow a lot of these big moments, like uh, when we when we lost to Syracuse in that year, we'd been number one all year. I wasn't even on the show. I was on the show for like five minutes depressing call in mm. yeah yeah i hate thinking about that okay uh let's get to some questions here again so many good questions that we just kind of scrapped what we were going to talk about and we're going all questions first question comes from our buddy rick dickman and by the way most of these questions came from the assembly call community which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community we'll be ramping things up in there as the season gets closer but Rick says, so Coach Miller uses the pack line defense. Can you explain the advantages of Indiana using it instead of other defenses? What type of personnel works best with the pack line? Are there variations in its use? And you know, this is a good question. As we talked about with Jordan Sperber on podcast on the brink a few weeks ago, which is an episode I really recommend people go back and listen to. 
you know, coach, all defenses, there's no perfect defense. You know, you're trying to take something away, but by doing that, you're going to leave yourself open to something else. And so you have, you have to prioritize based on your personnel and based on, you know, the kind of team that you want to be and who you're playing, what it is you're going to try and take away and where you're okay being a little bit more vulnerable. So let's kind of break that down from a pack line perspective. What are the goals of the pack line? And then, you know, to, to Rick's questions, what personnel do you need to, to make it work best? Well, it, it, the defense evolved when the dribble became prominent in the college game. And, and, and the traditional defense is deny the wing or deny the ball back to the point, not letting the ball move, uh, which prevents good motion offense from their uh, weak side screening action and forcing the ball baseline and having your center help on baseline drifts. That's the way, you know, a lot of us grew up and played man to man. But then all of a sudden, when you're trying to take away those passes, people were putting the ball on the ground and getting into the lane and forcing really bad rotations, mostly baseline. And so a few coaches got, you know, started thinking about what can we do to counteract this, this new wave of offense. And that was to put people, the pack line puts people in an automatic help and puts the ball into that help. And so you're really trying to eliminate dribble penetration uh, by getting into help and not being on your man or what used to be on the line, up the line, denial defense and so uh, the reason that a, a coach like Archie is using it he doesn't want that ball getting in the lane because the ball gets in the lane it kicks opposite for a three or he gets driven baseline and, and and so that's the reason because a lot of teams were trying to do that and the, and the athletes got better and the ball handling got better and, and so that's the reaction that's why some teams play zone uh to to stop that and force the outside shot you give up a little bit more from the outside if you're help and stunt and, and commit too much and don't get back to a, to a shooter, or if you don't have really good on ball defenders. So when you go to that second type of that, what personnel, I think that it's the same answer for all defenses. You got to have good athletes who want to guard and know the, the scheme and be in the right position. So defense is heart and mind, regardless of what type of defense you're playing, but you really need on ball uh, so that you don't get beat and you need smart people to know when to help and when to get back, when to stunt and when not to get back. And, but I think that's for every every defense. So, you know, it, it's I've never run it as a coach until I, I joined Western, and we started running it a little bit. And it, it, I really liked it because it really forced lower percentage shots, and especially in high school, they're really a lot lower than college. Um, and you got to adjust to shooters and and do some things uh, that that take advantage of the weakness of the pack line. Ryan, anything that you want to add there? Yeah, really, what the pack line is trying to do is force everything back to the middle. And, and, and instead of forcing it to the wings and, and uh, the reason why is because the more to the middle you go, the more help you have. And so it can make up for being less athletic. It can make up. That was the original purpose of it. When Dick Bennett ran it at Wisconsin green Bay was he didn't have a super athletic team. They would run into Wisconsin or Marquette or whoever in their, you know, out of conference schedule and realize, Oh man, these guys are just running circles around us. So if we can perfect a defense that makes up for that, it's, that's a big deal. And so uh, what he did was he, you know, there's certain rules and, and coach was talking about, it. you want to push things out to the wing. You want to, uh, if a guy's dribbling, you want to give him the baseline and force him and try and pin him down in the pack line. You stop him going the baseline. You want to force him back to the middle. And the reason why is because the rest of the team is there to help you. You have to be really disciplined. You have to be really smart and you have to be willing to help. And, and those are the things it takes sometimes a transition to get into the pack line and to, because it, there are 
certain aspects of it that do not line up with what you've been told your entire life with, with just regular help man defense. Um, so I think that that's why it's like, it's like when guys run a motion offense their entire life and then fit into, for example, at Virginia, the mover blocker, blocker mover, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Your favorite offense, offense. It takes you a while to adjust to it. And so that's why you see they don't have a lot of freshmen out there running a ton of plays in that offense because it takes a while and you have to be really smart and you have to know it backwards and forwards. And that's why when they get veteran play, they have a lot of really good veteran players because those guys understand what they're doing both on offense and on defense because they run two systems that don't line up with what other people run. And so I think that with as with any defense, if you run it right, it's fine. It's it's the question of running it right, getting the people who are disciplined enough to run it right and not try and freelance and do their own thing. You have to all be on the same page defensively, whether you're running a 2-3 zone like Syracuse, whether you're running straight up man-to-man, whether you're running a high ball pressure, you're running a press, whatever it is, you have to all be on the same page. And, and it, it's not something where you can just be individualistic and do your own thing. And so I think that that is the struggle with the pack line that some teams do have is getting everybody on on the same page, especially when you're a team like IU that's been playing a lot of younger guys the last few years. It's it's a lot of younger guys who don't have experience in that offense. So I think that that's partly why there's been some struggles defensively. I think they've gotten better, but the third year is when you're supposed to make a jump with anything like that, whether it's the, the blocker mover offense or the pack line. Once you've had guys in for a while and they understand their responsibilities and stuff, that's when you start to get better and take that next step. Do either one of you worry about how it will age as basketball evolves to focus more on the three-pointer and as the three-point line moves out to spread the floor more? Do you worry no. about that at all with the defense? I think I think moving the three-point line out actually helps uh, the the situation because it's going to bring three-point percentages down a little bit, uh, you know. And and so the thing you're willing to give up in the pack line is a three pointer. You're not supposed to leave it uncontested though. That's the, that's the mistake is you're supposed to close out to the three point line, but you don't overplay the three point line. That's the, that's the difference between that and more, a more aggressive, uh, you know, on ball defense or something like that. But the problem with being overly aggressive is guys could drive by you and then there's no help in, in position. So I think that it actually will help. Uh, but you're right. The three-point line is becoming weaponized in basketball. And so you have to be disciplined enough to close out and not forget about your responsibilities to your man. While Which also- at times we did incredibly well last year. Yes, very well. And, but the thing is, is that it has to be second nature, not something you're thinking about constantly. Like, oh, got to remember him. Got to remember him. And then you miss your help assignment. So it, it's really about making it so the system is second nature and your instincts are to do the right thing in the system, not to do what has come natural for you to you for a long time in basketball coach. And a lot of players play too hard. They, they want to do multiple things instead of taking care of their assignment. So, you know, if we had a whiteboard, we could show it, but when you stunt and get that ball stopped and get back, you don't give up the three, but if you overcommit and go double team, you know, or the guy gets beat off the, if you don't guard, we call it guard your yard. You've got to push a guy sideways not let him get downhill if you let a guy get downhill then you force rotation even in the pack line and until you get used to that and doing it right and knowing your assignments uh and again ryan's word of instinct is is true you've got to build that muscle memory where you're doing it right and being able to get back so you don't force a long closeout and give a guy a wide open three but moving that back will help 
a little bit until the, everyone gets better at shooting uh, from back there. But again, it's still a, um, a long percentage shot as opposed to, you know, um, the goal is the that, goal that you is you're thinking, you're thinking a layup versus a three pointer. You want to give up the three pointer, not the layup. And, and that's the general view. Now, of course, it's more complicated. It's more complicated than that, and times are changing. So it, it is an interesting sort of dynamic going on in, in basketball right now. And, Ryan, what you're really trying to do and what we try to get our opponents to do is take contested twos. We love contested twos. We love the pull-up contested two. Yep. And if we force you off the three-point line and then can help without letting you get to the rim, that's really good defense because that's been shown not to be as high percentage as the three-pointer, even in high school and college is getting to be a big weapon and at the rim that in between game with a hand in your face is something that I look for uh, when I watch games if, if you're forcing teams to do that yeah just to be clear the pack line is not designed to give up open three pointers like in I looked at like the slide deck of Tony Bennett's pack line it's about closing out tough yes. running people off the three point line so it's gonna happen at times but that's not like the yeah, goal I, of the defense, which is how I people remember, sometimes phrase it. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's and, not really how it's supposed look, to go. In any defense, guys get lost and they'll get an open three-pointer. The key is to to minimize the amount of times that happens. And that's the goal of any defense. It has nothing to do with the pack lines. I, I, I yeah. do remember last year, it was they'd be playing really good defense, really good defense, really good defense, and then somebody will get loose for a three. And the all of IU Twitter would be like, oh, the pack line's leaving guys wide open. It's like, <laughs> did you see the other 12 possessions in a row where they were right up on the three-point? Like, you know, when everything goes bad, you can't just be like, oh, it's the defense. No, it's it's guys missing assignments, which happens. It's natural that's going to happen. It's minimizing the yeah. amount of bad plays. Any defense needs cohesion. It needs a yes. culture of buy-in. It needs a coach who understands the defense, really Chemistry. believes in it, can teach it. Like, it doesn't matter what defense you're playing. you got to have all those things. And that's so. the thing is that people Jared, always say that offensively, you need chemistry. Defensively, you need just as yep. much, if not more, chemistry. Mm-hmm. And here's an example of not wanting – it's not designed to give up open threes. Uh, when, when we ran ours, we didn't leave the corner. So if a guy was on the wing and drove between the corner offensive man towards the, the block, we told our guys don't leave because we thought in high school that's a really good three from the baseline. So we stayed on the three and tried to force that contested two by bringing a big up and then rotating back to help the big uh, that he left. And we stayed on a three-point shooter. So the pack line is not, hey, just cut off people driving and kick and then shoot threes. We want teams to shoot threes. No, we want to stop the best threats. And, and you can make adjustments within a game if you got good three-point sh- shooters and we chart where the shooters are too. So, you know, you, you don't have to leave a three-point shooter. Either, Look at how Indiana uh, guarded Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein at home last year. I mean, they were they hounded those guys. If we could have just scored 50 damn points in the game, and we would have won it. Ryan Klein <laughs> had been shooting <laughs> yeah. off his back foot, Jesus. falling away from 30 feet and making shots. Like, Why do we keep bringing up all these bad memories this I, show? You started I know, I know. Okay, uh, let's move on now to this question from Paul. He says, this is about the offense. People complain about the offense that IU put on the court last year, but I thought the offense looked good. In contrast, I thought the offense run by the national champions, Virginia, was slow, tedious, and predictable, something Ryan will certainly (laughs) agree with, although they did adjust some last year. They did some different things. But back to Paul's question, it's amazing how many flaws a made shot will cover. Ding, ding, ding. Paul hits on something really important there. And I think this is important, guys, as we head into this season. 
look, we've all criticized the offense and, you know, a lack of imagination and, and maybe a little, you know, some predictability, all of those things. But man, there were a lot of times where the offense produced a good shot and the shot just didn't go in. And, you know, basketball is not as simple as you make shots, you win, you miss shots, you lose. But man, that does some things up you know, pretty well sometimes. And that was a big problem for Indiana last year. And again, it's about getting guys the shots in rhythm that they want and all of those things that have to go together. But I liked Paul's question because it hits on something that is not just the same simplistic view we've been hearing. Oh, the offense stunk outside of Romeo and Juwan. We had nothing. This was terrible. I actually thought, coach, that we saw pieces of a good offense. If you have a a competent point guard, which we had when Rob was healthy. And if you have guys who can make shots, which, you know, we did against Michigan State, for example, and that's why you win a game like that. So, you know, I think that's an important thing to remember as we head towards this season. It's got to get better in certain ways, no question about it. But it's not as bad, I think, sometimes as people have made it out to be. Yeah, you know, when you're not winning and and sometimes the points aren't as much as you, you look at the scheme as the problem. And really, it was some of the experience. You know, there, there were times when Rob wasn't as aggressive as, as he could have been. Uh, I don't think the transition game got to where Coach Miller wanted it all year long. And th- that's some way we terrible all the time on assessing the offense. Um to get things. And then you, we had a show a while where you pulled some synergy stats and I and mentioned it about the, the n- number of wide open shots. We just didn't hit them. And, and so, but shooting cures a lot of ills that, you know, and, and you get down to the shot clock and there's two seconds and the guy hits a 27 footer, that's three points. And everyone thinks it's great offense. It's, it's really non-effective offense where a guy covered for it with, with, with a shot. So, you know, you got to develop that. And, and, you know, I, I think the offense is, that is being run at IU is good enough to win. Um, it, it may not be the most efficient or the highest scoring, but I think it's good enough to win given the, the right players and the development and, and keeping them on the court. Yeah, yeah, and that's not to say that Archie doesn't have room to evolve as an offensive coach. As our bar goes from just making the NCAA tournament to you know getting further than that, he does. But he's still a young coach who's going to evolve and going to grow. And you know, so I just think, again, I think that's important perspective as we head into the season, Ryan. Yeah, I think that so he mentioned uh, the Virginia's offense and and you're right. I came on here the year before when they lost, they were the first one to lose to a 16. I said that system can't win in the NCAA tournament. It's not designed to win an NCAA tournament that offseason. They went off and they changed the system. So there was a lot more one on one, a lot more balls, you know, ball screening and, and all of that stuff. Now they would transition in and out of their old offense to their new offense. And quite frankly, Tony Bennett got a little stuck in his ways in the NCAA tournament. The last five minutes against Auburn, their offense looked terrible. Kyle Guy bailed them out by hitting a couple threes and getting fouled shooting a three. Again, the last couple minutes against Texas Tech, they went back to the mover blocker and it looked terrible. And they got bailed out by hitting a couple threes. That's the thing. That's the... There you go. Your favorite. (laughs) But that's, that's the difference is they made a couple threes and that made it look great. But the offense was stagnant. Man, those were tough threes Kyle Guy of hit course. too all tournament long. Of course. Jeez. And because he was a legit fantastic three-point shooter. It's why he went to the NBA after the year. He is those guys made shots. And and so you're not remembering the fact that that offense looked like a train wreck the last few minutes of both of those games that could have eliminated them from the tournament because you're remembering that they hoisted a national championship. And so I, I think that any offense again, like a defense, there's two things that are really important. It's one, making the shots that you get that are open. 
And two, it's everybody being on the same page. It's any offense is every offense is designed to work in a vacuum, but everybody has to execute and you have to counter and read the defense, counter what the defense is doing, all of that stuff. And then you gotta, you gotta make your shots. I mean, Tom Crean used to say it and it would drive us all nuts that he would say, look, you gotta make shots to win. You do. That's, that's I mean, you gotta make at least one and then not let the other team score. But as long as you're gonna give up points, you have to make shots if you wanna win. And it doesn't matter if they're from two feet away or 25 feet away. At some point, you gotta make shots. And that is how you're a champion. There you go. Thanks, Tom. Hope you're well. Um, but it, it is true, though. I mean, to an extent, you've got to make the open shots you get. It doesn't matter what offense you're playing in. Now, yeah, sometimes the offense wasn't producing open shots, and that's a problem that needs to develop. But there were plenty of open shots per game that IU had that they missed last year. And it's, again, a problem. You got to hit those shots. You get a wide open three-pointer. If you're a college player right now, particularly a guard, you need to be able to hit that, you know, six times out of 10. You got to be able to hit a wide open three-pointer. You do. And IU was very far below that level last year. Yeah, no, no question about it. And look, I think Archie has to prove that he can utilize the three-point line more consistently. I think he did it better at Dayton than some people seem to remember. And he, and he hasn't had the personnel here at Indiana to do it. But, you know, you look, look at a coach like Matt Painter, who you know, wasn't necessarily known as the most adaptable coach early in his career. And what's he known for now? You know, now that he's 15 years in at Purdue, every year they're doing something a little bit different. He's adapting to his personnel. He's grown as a coach. You know, so that's the thing. If a guy, coach, you know, we can end with this. You know, if a coach has the kind of mentality and, you know, some of the parts and pieces that you're looking for in a guy you sometimes have to be a little bit patient and let them grow as well. And so I think that's kind of the point of both of these, both of these segments is, you know, there are things to build on with both the defense and the offense here. Now it needs to get better. Yes. But all the injuries, all the losing clouded a lot of opinions last year and probably made things look a little bit worse than it was. Just like when you're winning big, it probably, you know, things look a little bit better than they are. And so I think that's, it's important to remember as we move forward. And I think, if you've seen things that you like from Archie Miller through these first couple of years, you know, that is okay. And he's still a young coach who I think has a lot of potential to keep growing. Yeah. And you constantly want to, want to, want to tweak what you're doing, but nothing's more frustrating as a coach when you design offense and you get good shots and you miss. Uh, and, and, you know, then you go into press conference and you take it all on yourself. You don't ever blame the players, you know, at, at least at our level, you don't. But there's certain if I could tape series in our coaching meetings in our film, it's like we can't do anything more than we can to get that guy a shot. And, and we've got to hit shots. And, and that's a whole different level. Uh, when you're talking college, six out of 10 when you're wide open should be the mark in a game, uh, not just in practice. And so uh, if that's not occurring, it's is it the scheme or is it just the fact that the players aren't and ultimately it's a coach because then you got to make the adjustment what are we doing in the off season what are we doing in practice to make it uh you know go back to that muscle memory we yeah. might have to adjust as coaches and 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 how much do we need know, to pay tim buckley to come back happens, for a week <laughs> if you if you're a good coach you think you can fix everything and you should think you can fix everything and and, and one of the great pieces of advice that i had is every year at the end of the year ask yourself the previous coach just got fired. You're coming into a new situation. What are you going to do to change the, the, the previous regime? Uh, and, and so every year you do an inventory of 
what did we do? What did we do well? What did we not do well? And, and somehow Archie's got to find a coach or a system or drills or whatever to simulate game type shooting and make that better because I thought they did get good shots. So yeah, every coach does that. And they, you know, they just struggle with open shots, not being made contestant shots. You understand. Um, but it, it's got to get better. And, and I'm sure the staff is working on it and it, it's just got to, sometimes you work on it and you fail and then you got to find another job. But, um, you know, that's just, that's just coaching. Well, think about this. If it's frustrating to us as fans, imagine how frustrating it is to the coaches when they're working their tails off all the time. To get are are you suggesting they're able to diagnose this stuff as well as we are? Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Well, they, they know their team as well as we do. I mean, not as well as me, but maybe the rest of you guys. That's, <laughs> okay. That's a good note to end on. All right. Coming up in our third segment, we're going to continue answering your questions, including one about who the must-get recruits are still left on the board, which players we think are going to average eight or more points this season, and more. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. That's next. and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Thank you, Ethan. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here. <laughs> here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. Then after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. All right, let's keep it going with the mailbag, guys. We'll get to as many of these as we can. And then uh, if you're listening on the radio and we don't get to all of them, we'll put the rest of the answers on the podcast so you can always catch them there. Uh, But a bunch of questions to get to here. So let's start with this one from Robert. For recruiting, which recruits do you guys think are a must for the classes of 2020 and 2021? We kind of talked about this uh, in our first break and a little bit at the beginning of the show. Uh, Coach, I think Matt Cross is in 2020 because of just how much Archie has invested in the recruitment and I think how much he fits in terms of the toughness and competitiveness that Archie wants, plus the guy can you know shoot it pretty well. And then I think in 2021, it's Christian Lander. Again, another guy they've invested a ton of time in, and now you're coming to the point where Rob Finnessy is going to be a senior. You need that next great point guard to take the reins. And so to me, those are the two guys on the board that I would rate it close to must-gets because of the amount of time invested and because of where they fit. There are other guys that obviously are important that you'd like to get. Those are two that I look at as must-gets. What do you think? Well, yeah, and I, I heard Ethan Happ was traveling over in Europe um, hmm. literally uh, this summer. Um, but, but, yeah, shocking. Uh, I, I think you made a good point. Regardless of what the name of the recruit is, players, uh, Jared, that you said of the players we're looking at, it's the it's the people you're most interested in, you're putting the most time and effort in. Those become must-gets. Those really hurt if they go elsewhere uh, because of what you've invested in the recruiting. Uh, and if you're investing a lot in them, you see them as a vital piece of the program going forward. And, and Matt Cross and Christian Lander, I think, for those two classes, I, I don't know who you would replace you might say in 2020 uh, to get a guard like Davis or Love or Garcia a big because you, you already, you know, depending on what Leal does, um, might be a little more important. Uh, you could make that argument. But I think Matt Cross, because Archie has gone all out, really fits the mode of a must-get recruit. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'd say I think you're sp- you both spot on on Matt Cross because 
that's a guy that Archie wants and, and wants him really badly and, and is putting the effort in. Um, I quite frankly, am disappointed that he hasn't committed yet. So uh, he goes to A&M, my wife and I are going to have problems. Yeah. As you should. She's smirking over there. (laughs) Beginning of the end of the marriage, man starts. Uh, But Christian Lander, I think 2021, I think we all agree that he's a, he's the guy they got to get in 2021. And then I would throw Trey Coffin in there as well, because he's, you know, a guy who's in state who is I think on the rise and is going to get even better. And, And I think that if you get Lander and Coffin in 2021, you are sitting very pretty. Um, so obviously there's going to be guys who pop up who, who aren't even on the radar right now who pop up. Um, but I think that right now those three guys over the next two years are definite must gets. All right. From David, who do you think will score significantly for IU this year? Say average eight points per game and up Ryan. I quickly wrote down Devonte green, Rob Finnessy and Al Durham. And then I stopped and I couldn't put anybody else. I don't like, I think those guys will, and they're going to play a ton of minutes, but just given how much depth there is down low and how uncertain a guy like Jerome Hunter is and what you know how Justin Smith will evolve, you can make arguments for those guys, but I I don't I I don't feel comfortable saying any but the three experienced guards. Do you? Yeah, I would I would agree. I think that Tracy Jackson Davis is starting to move himself into that. Just watching him work out this summer uh, is starting to move himself into that conversation. But I don't know if he's gonna average how much he's gonna average points wise per game. I think he's gonna do things that help you win across the board, but I'm not sure if he's going to average eight points. I would say, but I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of the year we see him averaging 10 points a game with a certain amount of rebounds and, and doing a lot of things that help be a you great win. sign for Indiana if he does, Absolutely. that's for sure. Um, but then, you know, I, I would say uh, of those three guards, I think that that's, that's who you know will produce for you is, is Devontae Green, Rob Finnessey, and Al Durham. You really hope Jerome Hunter, you really hope a guy like Justin Smith steps up and is consistent. Uh, how, what's Joey Brunk going to do? Is he going to get you five and seven rebounds? I mean, like, you know, we either know. Joey or Duran could if they were the featured yeah. center, but they're going to split time. Exactly. So. And so, yeah. And, and so between the two of them, you want about yeah. 15 points and 13 rebounds a game or there's somewhere around oh, man, there. That'd be great. And, but, you know, combined, that's what you want them to average. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say I agree. I think we got a lot of question marks as far as that goes. Coach? Yeah, De- Devontae, I look back, Devontae in his last seven games, That's that goes back to when he started scoring in double figures, average 15.4. Uh, and, and if he, you know, I don't know that he'll get to 15 this year, but he's obviously someone, uh, Durham was at, at the same time, was at 9.7 in that stretch when Indiana went five and two down, down the stretch. So I think that bodes well for those two and you'd love to see fantasy, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know which post player, but I wouldn't be surprised to see one pop. Uh, the question was over eight. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see one pop maybe to the nine or 10, uh, if they've really done some work and can it's, you know, um, try to get some minutes and be, you know, if they're, it's not going to be 20 minutes for one and 20 minutes for the other. Maybe it goes 27, something else, uh, carve out a little niche, uh, because of their work ethic and their play, whether that's, uh, you know, trace or, or whether that is, um, you know, Joey or, or whoever, but I I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not expecting it. I don't say it's going to be definite, but I could see that happening as maybe the third score because of throwing the ball in or, or, or some of the things that we don't know are going to be part of IU uh, is their scheme. Okay. If you had to bet on a fourth guy being eight points or more, who would you bet on? I, if I had to bet on somebody, I'd bet on Justin just because he's a junior and you know, hopefully he kind of matures and plays harder, more consistently. He's got, I think the clearest path to more consistent minutes and we've seen it from, but I don't feel comfortable about it. But that's who I'd bet on. Who would you bet on if you had to? Trace. Trace. Yeah. That's my bet. 
Yeah. That, that's who I would say just from a pure talent. But wasn't Justin around there at 7.8 or something like that? I, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but if he, he could just play Michigan State every game. Year. Yeah. Um, it'd yeah. be 20 plus. Um, okay, next question. This is from Mike. Uh, Ryan, we'll go to you. What is your thought on the impact of race? We saw a very small glimpse last season, but it looked encouraging on what he could contribute quickly. If he's healthy, I think he's going to be a huge contributor. That's just a big question mark there. Um, he's a guy who I loved coming out of high school. I thought his redshirt year was a great thing for him. Obviously, he enrolled a year early. Um, and then last year, I think that we saw some things we liked and, uh, you know, in, in the preseason videos and, and then in, uh, Hoosier hysteria. And then, you know, we just didn't get to see him till pretty much it felt like until the season was over and he wasn't in game shape. And, um, but at times he's a guy who can be a game changer because of his size, his strength, his ability to just go after the ball and, the problem last year was his offense was completely out of whack because he was completely out of rhythm because of the concussion and, and he hadn't been playing. So I don't beat Wisconsin without him. I really hope that guy is having a great summer and is because in high school, you watch his, his film, he can shoot, he can score. He is comfortable inside. He can step outside. He can handle the ball a little. I mean, he does all of these things that I, you, that you need to win in the big 10. And when I did his scouting report, when he signed, uh, I said that that's a guy who looks like he could build to being an all big 10 player by the time he's out. of He's out of there. I thought he was a lot like Jawan Morgan, actually, um, just with his versatility and his size and and all of that. So he's I would love to say that I am 100 percent confident that guy's going to be a banger for this team and is going to be awesome. Uh, but we need to see it. And so it's hard to really predict that right now. There's a lot with his team. It's hard to predict because we need to see it. And, um, but I think that the talent is certainly there. Okay. Uh, we've got a wrap here, but we will pick up the rest of the questions on the, on the podcast, uh, after we close this out. So listen on the podcast or go to the YouTube video. If you're listening on the radio and want to hear the rest of the questions, that's going to do it on this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Christian Wofford. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Okay, uh, so let's see. Let's let's run through the rest of these questions. The people, you know, sent in. first I pause for the podcast, race. folks. Re- real quick on race, you know, I, I started talking about uh, baseball, but there are innings eaters in, in baseball, starting pitchers or relievers. Uh, race may not get the stats, but he might be able to get some minutes that are really quality, whether it's defense or just you know foul trouble or whatever. It's going to be nice to have that kind of body. And if he gets to four, five, six points a game or or even whatever and and pops, that's even that'll be the big surprise. But he is going to be a minutes um, eater uh, at, at times when it's needed, uh, and then push the people in practice to make the other kids better if if he is behind or on the second unit. That's a yeah. great point. Uh, I can answer one more question, then I got to go to get dinner because the girlfriend's staring daggers at me. Hmm. Um, okay. What would be the best question? Not really. For I'm you? sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. So this is from JDM. Who's the IU player that you irrationally love the most? Ooh, man, that's tough. And he, he hashtagged it with AJ Moye. 
That's a good. That's a good one. Is that um, irrational love though? AJ Moy was very lovable. Well, here's the thing: is that like I might the first name that came to mind was DJ White, but that's not irrational. He was an All Big Ten guy. I know that's and, why it's kind of hard to. Yeah, um, it's a hard question to answer. How about Adam, Adam Allfeld? I loved Adam Allfeld. I, I always wanted that guy. Look, we used to give standing ovations and that guy would get off the bench. Like that was. Yeah. I, I think I have a hard time with this question because we love all the players. They're IU players. Yeah. So it's hard for me to justify who, who's the, who do I irrationally love? I guess maybe you love them more than their contributions warranted. Uh, here's, here's a good one. Verdell Jones. I love that guy because of what he went through. Yeah. And, and, and he went from being damn it Verdell to being an insanely like necessary part of a team that went to the sweet 16. Good point. Um, so I would say I would say that's a guy. I loved that he his career arc, you know, because I would say someone like Jordan Hulls, but he's he's everybody yeah. loves Jordan Hulls. I'm probably I'm I'm probably developing a rational love for Demise Anderson right now, just because I love the guy's attitude. So I'm maybe putting the cart before the horse before he's produced. But man, you think about his high school production, you know, we saw a few glimpses of him shooting, and I just man, I love that kid. I'm rooting for him so so hard. So maybe maybe I irrationally love Demise. I guess I could I could put myself in there. What do you think, Coach? Any that come to mind for you? It's all about the hair. <laughs> Demise's hair. It's all about it. That's um, right. You know, that, that's, that's a tough question. There's been some good things here in the chat. Um, you know, Derek Elston for that's sticking around the program and doing things. And then I coached against him in high school for three years and reliving those nightmares. So, you know, he had that injury plague season. But, um, you know, he, he was a great guy. He his locker room was down by my basketball office. He'd pop in and say hello. And he knew he was going to drop 28 on us. And, you know, it was kind of a neat type of thing. Um, I have a lot of respect for, for Derek Elston and, and what he's put into the basketball program, both as a player and as a coach. Um, okay. Rapid fire from Tom. How much does it concern you that this year's roster only contains one true point guard? Who is your preferred backup point guard and why? Uh, it terrifies me because there is no good option behind Rob Finnessy. That's my answer. Uh, I mean, the other two guys have experience bringing the ball up, but yeah, they're not Rob. No, uh, but it, 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 it takes them out of the position where they're the best, though. It doesn't terrify me, but yeah, there's concern there, of course. It doesn't terrify me. I think that that Devontae can break a press. I think that uh, he's, you know, especially with some, you know, what we saw late in the year last year. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as big an issue as I think it looked like it was going to be in say December of last year. Like I'm, I'm a little bit less concerned than I was. Who was, yeah, um, it's always a concern when you're only one deep at a position, but, but Allen and, and, and Devonte, I'm assuming will be improved. Who was Michigan state's backup point guard? And Winston gets all the minutes. I, I see fantasy getting a majority of the minutes, but who, who played backup last year before years before it was num, num or whatever is tum, tum, num, num, whatever. <laughs> Right, but but who was I think last we should year? really start calling him num num. num I about said num nuts. Don't don't drop. Don't don't cut that as a drop. Well, I you just invited it. I, mean, I know I got too many drops as it is. Um, but who was Michigan State's backup last year when when Winston know. had to sit? I don't even I don't, know. I can't remember. So it must not have Gabe been Brown. I think know. I think it was Gabe Brown or one of those guys. I, I, yeah. So I think. Um, you know, if you got a point guard and he can stay out of foul trouble, you're going to see major minutes uh, from Rob. Um, and so, you know, man, it scares me to say Devontae. Whew. 
Demonte is just, just so much better when he's when he gets to play off guard and, and or play off the ball. So I hope he gets to do that all year. Uh, James basically says a lot of the team's upside revolves around Jerome Hunter. Um, we know no one knows anything about when he'll be ready. When do you think we'll get a reasonable idea of whether he might come back sometime this year? Who's your hysteria, or do you think it might not uh, come out until the non-conference games actually? I think start? we'll know when school starts. That's that's my assumption. Is it'll be when school starts? Oh, Foster Lawyer. That's who it was for Michigan State. Okay. Thank you, Rachel. Oh, okay. That's right. I forgot about him. I mean, you know, I think Hoosier hysteria will certainly be a very good clue because if he's not out there playing in the scrimmage, that's you know probably not a good sign. I, I think we'll know before that because people will just keep asking, and, and I, I just get the feeling we may not know officially before then. You're you're probably right. We may not know officially before then, but I think the word will get out. Is yeah. there um? I mean, we don't know what's going on, but if, if if we're hearing that he can't play, do you think it's done before school? So, you know, if it, I mean, would he go somewhere else? Um, is there an opinion that's different? Is this going to be a consistent opinion with every program? Uh, you know, that's the stuff I just don't know what he's, yeah, I don't know. you know, These are questions totally what he's dealing with. But I mean, um, that's the only thought I thought of, you know, before school to, to you know, if, if he can't play at IU for whatever reason, is there an opportunity for him maybe to pursue something else? Um, if you wait till October 5th, he's already in a semester. Uh, so I think if he's on, on, on campus, I think that might bode at least a little bit bright news. I don't know if that's, that's even yeah, correct. I mean, the questions, honestly, we can't answer until we yeah. hear from school or hear from Jerome. I mean, really, we, we don't, you know, we hear whispers one way or the other, but that's nothing verified. You know, that's just what people are hearing. And so it's, this is where you get into to weird territory because we don't know. I mean, we straight up don't know. There's a player IU fans irrationally love a lot. <laughs> it's Jerome Hunter. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, you know, it's all, it's all relative, but you know, a lot, a lot of pressure is being put on that guy. So I hope when he comes back that people are, or if he comes back, that people are reasonable in what they expect from him as a freshman who's been off for a year. Uh, for I'll, 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 I'll like always you. say this too. It's better to err in the side of, uh, of the player safety. You know, I really want Jerome to play for his basketball ability, but if there is a health concern, then I'd rather him be healthy and, and, and not play. And that's, that's hard because we look at it as wins and losses, but you know, um, for this to linger as long as it is, it's going to be um, really interesting to see, you know, what, what goes forward, but you know, just wishing that the young man some peace and, 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 and getting better. All right, real quick, Ryan. I'm what's going to happen first? Football national championship or construction free Bloomington? I don't think either. It's a trick question. The answer is neither. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> okay. Wait, football national championship for who? It could be anybody. Well, it's going to be that's no happen. for Indiana. Yeah. First football uh, national championship or construction free Bloomington? That's from uh, Jack. The, the answer. The answer is the time will be the same because it's infinite. Uh, the time you're waiting will be the same because it's yes. All, All right, guys. I gotta go, get out of here. Let's go finish. have some go have some cereal. Uh yeah, that that's not what we're doing tonight, sadly. <laughs> Good night, guys. <laughs> See ya. Good night. Uh coach, a couple more questions real quick. Do you foresee Davis and yep. Brunk playing any great amount of time on the floor together? I have a real hard time you seeing know, if, that working. I agree with you. If it does, it's because they've they've worked Brunk out as a power forward four from fifteen feet. Um, the problem with that is guarding. Uh, you, you have two five spots or two post players guarding. Uh, if it's a matchup uh, where there are two bigs, uh, predominant bigs, uh, and they do it for defense, uh, yeah, I can see that. But I think that's going to be very minimal. 
Uh, I do think that you'll see, you could see uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Davis or Trace Jackson. Um, I, I think you can see, I think you can see Trace playing a lot more of the four is what yeah. I'm trying to say. I got my names all confused all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that, that, that five spot plays out. If you could go back in time, this is from our buddy Ben Malcolmson, uh, Hoosiers United. If you could go back in time and watch a former Hoosier play at the high school level, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. That that's an interesting one. I didn't see that when I scrolled through everything. That, I added that. I time. added that one. If new. you go back and watch a a former, you know what? I'd like to see Kelbert before he got hurt. Yes, that's um, because, a good one. You know, that's that would really be good really one. good to watch him play as a sophomore or junior down in Evansville. Uh, that that's the first one that that uh, pops. And you know, I coached against Tennessee, and that gave me nightmares uh, with the big loss. I coached against Elston. Uh, for three years, and uh, so I'm 0 for 4 against Hoosier players, as it should be. Um, so um, I've seen Calvert a couple. Would be a good one. Uh, and then, but Calbert would be the the one. Steve Alford in high school would be uh, really cool at, at Newcastle. That great gym with it packed at 9,000 people, and, and and him hitting all those shots would would be really cool. As Pat well. Graham would be cool because he Despite won Mister Basketball. Yeah, Pat Graham would be cool. He won Mister Basketball yeah. in a loaded class. Uh, Bill Garrett obviously would be a great one. Floyd to go Central's back and a nice see. place to watch a game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, um, Downing and Bellamy, some of yeah. those guys that played in Indianapolis, uh, when some of those guys at Purdue were really good too. Indianapolis in the late sixties, mid sixties to late sixties and early seventies. Billy Keller, uh, th- those would be some. You know, Indianapolis, Washington had some yeah. good teams at that back in that day. Would be excellent to. Yeah, all those would be all those would be really good. Calbert, that's a great one though, because he surprised everybody once he got on campus. So that that would be good to right. see. Uh, Chad asked, "What were some of your favorite moments from last year's Hoosier Hysteria, and how would you improve it this year?" Did you go to Hoosier Hysteria last year? <laughs> he really wants. Yeah, I did. I got Ben Malcolmson talked me into going. Oh, that's right. And um, then that's right. We have drops from that because you had your iPad, and they almost didn't let you take it in. Yeah, something, they, they didn't something happened with your in, iPad, and I had to sneak it in. And um, you know, uh, everyone knows about me and Hoosier hysteria from an injury I don't like Hoosier uh, hysteria. standpoint. Yeah, there we go. Um, it is it is great to see the the new players. I think that's the best thing. And then to see if anyone's uh, how they've improved. It's always good to get a first look. So that that's the best thing I take away from Hoosier hysteria when I go is to watch. Uh, the players and just to see them physically and and to see them have fun that's an important thing too because basketball it's fun to play but it's it's a job for these college athletes you know that with your dad being a football coach too that there's mm-hmm. a lot asked of, of, of the athletes and, and and we see them on game night and we talk about them and say good and bad things and it, it's not as easy as people think it think it is so it's nice to see them have fun I don't like the dunk contest uh, just because of an injury standpoint kids when you're not focused sometimes I think that's when uh, injuries and and I think Derek Elston blew out his uh, knee or hurt a meniscus in his um, Midnight Madness or Hoosier Hysteria one of the years I, I heard on on the Hoosier Hysterics pod. So, um, yeah. That and then you know despite being funny and, and and trying to be comical about it, I, again I think it's great for those people who can't get into Assembly Hall on game night to be able to go and and see what's what we all love about assembly hall and the candy stripes and the, the, the pep band and all that stuff. Uh, I I think that's really good 
for for those young people and those uh, the older people who who get to go to that. So that that's the best. That's the honest answer about Hoosier hysteria. From a coaching standpoint, we do that. You know, soap for a scrimmage. Bring a, a it used to be soap when it got you know. Now it's canned goods, or we do something a Gatorade to to put our fridge together. Um, those are always a concern um, because it's just not practice. Um, yeah. and, and, um, sometimes guys don't take it as serious. And that's again, when that's when things happen, when it gets a little silly, um, and, and that's just an old curmudgeon coach, um, talking the laser light show was awesome last year. It'd be interesting to see if they yeah. do that again. That was pretty fantastic. And it's always interesting to see who's there from a recruiting standpoint and what they do. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to go and this that's year, another thing, it was, Jared, it was a fun event. You got to do you got to do stuff like that for the recruits. You know, the recruits don't want to hear a guy talking about practice, practice, practice all the time. Right. But <laughs> they, they want to see some of that pomp and circumstance and have the jerseys and the, the alternate jerseys and the flashy rooms and all that. And in this day and age, you got to win the, the arms race and, and Hoosier hysteria is part of the arms race to show off uh, what we have. So in all honesty, that's, those are my thoughts, Chad. I hope, hope that makes you answers your question last question from jim is the motion offense still part of the game or has it complete or has the game completely evolved it away that's what beard was running at texas tech wasn't it wasn't he running some motion concepts yeah i think the con that's a great point right there the concepts are still around um i'm hoping that everything comes full circle you know uh, in their sixties and seventies, it was all offense. And then night comes around, then it's lockdown defense and everyone loves the 52 to 48 games. And then it started going back to offense again. And when Bo Ryan, you know, slowed the thing down, people didn't like it. And now you're having Virginia and Texas tech who play defense. Everything goes around. I'd love to see motion come back. I, I, I have never understood Jared, why uh, a 30 second shot clock or 35 second shot clock had to change motion. That's good basketball. Uh, it, Anytime you screen, though, it does mess up spacing, and, and the game now is space and get your athletes to move and, and create advantages and, and long coverages. And sometimes screening congests stuff, so it might not come oh, back p- all But part the of the reason – okay, then, but here's what I would say about that. Part of the reason is because people don't know how to screen and work off screens anymore. So if you're not going to get a benefit from it, then all you're doing is clogging up spacing. If people actually use screens well, and, and if what, players screen well, it yep. can still work. And see, that that that, that – that, point is correct and it bothers me when i hear coaches saying that um because now screening is mostly ball screen yeah right that that's what they talk about their screening game needs to be tight as the ball screen but here's why here's why um and i've talked to college coaches and because of the shot clock they they're choosing not to teach screening and cutting as much because it's it's transition offense for the first part of the shot clock it's some movement for 10 or 20 12 seconds in the middle. And then it's isolation ball screen at the end of a shot clock. And when you have 30 seconds, so I've had coaches tell me, why should we spend all that time investing in motion concepts and teaching the game? And it's hard to teach for 12 seconds of offense um, per possession. If, and that's if they take the full 30 possession. Mm-hmm. Um, I argue with them. I'm like, well, when you got great athletes and you have great motion, now, now you're unstoppable instead of just expecting the athlete to go jump over someone or beat someone. Uh, off the dribble. Uh, so that, that's what scares me about motion might be gone. And here's the other thing too, motion coaches. I'm a big pro coach, so don't take this the wrong way to the listeners, but sometimes coaches don't want to work hard. Teaching motion is hard work. And if you got a guy who could just say, here, here's the ball, catch it on the wing and go up and dunk it. You don't have to work as hard, right? So it becomes a recruiting game. You got the Jimmy's and the Joe's 
and they can just outplay everyone. You don't need to have uh, a, a great scheme necessarily. Um, and I'm not trying to, I, I'm not trying to um, badmouth, but you know, you said Texas Tech. I think Purdue uh, runs some elements of motion. They slip screens all the time for harms. Um, you know, right there frustrates me too. So there, there are there are pockets of it. Um, but yeah, it's either continuity or it's just this dribble drive stuff. And, um, you know, that, uh, yeah, I, I would love to see it come back, but I think the shot clock since 1987, 85, 86, whenever the shot clock came in motion, people were trying to find another way to win in a shot clock era other than motion. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome questions from everybody. Thanks for sending all those in. We, uh, there's no way we were going to get to all of them if we tried to do a, our normal show outline. So I'm glad we did that. And we'll get on, I, you know, I guess the rest of these shows now offseason, we got to do some player breakdowns. I've still got um, an outline ready to go with some numbers that I pulled from Synergy on stuff that we did well offensively last year that's pretty interesting. So, man, we get through those episodes. It's going to be time for the season to start. It's going to be here soon. So anyway, thanks to everybody who's been with us all offseason. We... uh we appreciate your attention, and hopefully tomorrow night, Friday night, we get more good news, and we got two players in the class of 2020. Two weeks ago, we were all lamenting that we had no one. Now maybe we'll have a couple of good, solid building blocks ready to roll, which would be a nice way to approach the rest of the summer, I would say. So, When's the schedule coming out? Here in the next couple of weeks, you think? Usually late August? At least the, pre- the, the yeah. non-con? Yeah. I think last year it came out August 27th or something like that, okay. so... Yeah, hopefully it hopefully it comes out soon. Well, I mean it should be soon. So yep. sooner rather than later. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here. All right, good night, everyone. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks, coach. Yep. Practice. <laughs> Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment, but Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for Three Small Business Insurance. With Three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by Three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense.